As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, wonderful listener. This is Christina. If you love these podcasts, please make sure to rate each episode, leave a review, and subscribe on the app or platform you listen in on and share with others. It really is a great way to support my work and helps so much. Also, if you want to watch the video of the show, the link to my YouTube channel is below. Welcome to Strange Paradigms. In this weekly show, we'll be taking a look into the news and headlines to pick out curious reports of the strange, the weird, and the mysterious. Anything from UFO news to science advancements, the paranormal, and stuff labeled fringe science and fringe phenomena. The topics we cover are fascinating, while some are unnerving and others disturbing, but definitely show that we live in a strange world full 
of Strange Mysteries. The idea is for you, the viewers, to be able to offer your thoughts and input on the stories we cover in the live chat. Each news item we go over in the show, I will put all the links to them in the description box below once this show is over, as well as chapters on the timeline index. Please make sure to share this video with anyone or groups or forums for those who you think will be interested. The growth of this channel has a lot to do with you, my wonderful viewers and listeners. And did you know, did you know, this is my favorite show of the week, <laughs> where I really get to interact with this amazing community we have on this channel. So it is always the highlight of my week. Kyle, this pen is for you. And I, I definitely love hanging out with y'all and, and chatting about these mysteries and topics. Also, I want to invite everyone to join my live chat server on Discord. It has almost a thousand members <laughs> and has a huge list of chat, chat rooms um, for all these topics that we love. And there's always people chatting via text in those rooms, but you can also voice chat in the rooms for as long as you like. Post pictures, videos, links, and just hang out with great people in a friendly and secure environment. These mysteries, by conversation and debate, we shed more light on them. So I will put the link in the live chat now and join before the end of the show so that you can join in the after show chat. While I do that, let me say hi to some people in the live chat. Hey, Serif, Dodge. Hey, Jessica, Brian, Gonzo, creepy little book. Subscribe to his channel. John aside, good to see you, buddy. Carlos, Stefan, Laura, James. Hello, everyone. What? Stargaze. Um, who was it that said that they got their cup noodle ready? Because when you watch Strange Paradigms or any, any show on this channel, you either have to have some ramen, a cup noodle, some ice cream, or a cat. Not, not, don't eat the cat, but like have a cat on your lap and take care of it while you watch a show. Those are requirements <laughs> when you watch these live or even when you're watching a, a rerun. Tasaka, thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm really trying to practice more the way Jimmy does it, but uh, I think it's sounding a little bit better. Thank you so much for the um, super sticker, my friend. So first thing, just right off the bat, before we get started, definitely chocolate milk. Seraph. Yes, chocolate milk is delicious. And I will let that one also be a mandatory requirement for this show as well. Vash, thank you. It says, hope you all have a great weekend. Great work, Gomez. Thank you. You too. You too. So first thing, right off the bat, before we get into the articles, the Artemis 1 mission will launch September 27th. Not too long from now. We'll see how it goes. We've already seen a few failures. So I don't, I honestly don't have high hopes for this one either. If it launches, that would be amazing. But if it doesn't, it'll just be another like, okay, here we go again. But 
what about for you? Are you looking forward to this launch or are you even going to watch it? Because <laughs> I watched, I attempted to watch the last two and be like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to see this launch and nothing happened. So for this one, we'll, we'll see how I feel that day <laughs> to go ahead and attempt to watch the live stream on if, if it even launches. Oh my gosh, David, I have a bird on my shoulder. That is so cool. <laughs> that's that that's like 10 brownie points right there brian thank you it says love the glasses i'm having contact issues um yesterday i had an eyelash stuck in my eyeball today it's just contacts in my eyes are getting a bit watery so it didn't really work out so we're going for the glasses look i thought kind of like the uh the the college look today and a pen we need to have a pen as of yesterday. It has to happen now. And especially when we're talking about some pretty cool and some pretty strange news items. So let's get into our first one. How many of you live in Canada? Hmm? How many of you live in Canada? Because this article is for you. So it turns out that Canadians in certain provinces apparently have a better shot at spotting alien life forms than others. So Casino Source, a platform for finding casino sites in Canada, calculated the odds of seeing a UFO in each province and territory across the country. And one province is apparently a hotspot for alien activity. Now, why is this casino source looking at UFO activity? Maybe they want to place a casino right where there's also alien activity. So then you get the best of both worlds. You get researchers also on their days off, go to the casino and spend some money, right? Genius marketing right there. <laughs> Deranged lunatic, thank you so much for the super sticker. Always, as always, I deeply appreciate it. Oh, Renee is asking, uh, how was a teaching college class today, Christina? Well, I am teaching this class today. <laughs> All the strange news happening around the world this week. So make sure to get your notebook out and get a pen and take some notes. <laughs> Rose, thank you for being a YouTube member. Really appreciate that. So with this casino source, they analyzed um, a bunch, a number of UFO sightings across Canada using um, data from the National UFO Reporting Center, also known as New Fork. So using their findings, they were able to determine where in Canada you're least likely to see a UFO and where you're most likely to have a close encounter. So according to Casino Source, Ontario is the UFO capital of Canada. How many of you live there? How many of you now officially want to drive over there <laughs> to go and have your sighting? So it was stated that there have been at least 2,380 sightings and the most in the country and twice as many as the next highest province, which is British Columbia, with only 1,151 sightings. Now, while Casino Source doesn't specify over what time period these sightings occurred, 
The New Fork has reports from Ontario going back to as far as 1951. Oh, Christian says, hello from Quebec. Nice. Now I have to go to Ontario and um, see some UFOs. <laughs> oh, Michelle, I am so glad that you are enjoying these streams. What I love about Strange Paradigms is that I'm, I'm, able to really interact with you in the live chat. So with any commentary that you have or any stories that you want to share with the articles that are covered today, please do so. And if, if I can catch it in time, I will definitely read it out. So following British Columbia is Alberta with 654 UFO sightings, and then Manitoba with 230 sightings. Okay. And for you, Christian, Quebec only has about 101 sightings. Again, it doesn't specify the time period that these sightings occurred, but still, that's a pretty low number. So you better pack your stuff and leave if you really want to see a UFO. Well, according to a 2017 survey produced by Manitoba-based ufology research, 19,000 Canadian UFO reports have been cataloged since 1989. And that's not all. According to a 2021 survey, two in three Canadians, which is about 65%, believe in alien life forms. And 56% say they believe in UFOs. A survey on Global predictions by the market research company also found that 11% of Canadians think it's likely that aliens will visit Earth in 2022. Here we are. I'm ready. Do I need to move to Canada now just to have this for them to visit and I get to say hi to them? Now, I'm just kind of joshing with you guys here, but it is very interesting, these statistics. Generally, I imagine them to be a little bit higher. But I guess we need to also consider the older generations that don't necessarily have always believed in stuff like this. Now, with the newer, you, new, with the newer generations coming through, it's becoming less of a question. And that's why I love talking about this subject to my peers, because it's not I'm not trying to break any walls with them where it's like, do you believe in aliens? And they're like, no, it's not like that for them. They shrug their shoulders and they're like, yeah. And I say, OK, well, what do you know about them? Absolutely nothing. And that's OK. That's understandable. I was the exact same way when I started, but they are the future lawyers, politicians, doctors, teachers that are going to end up talking about this to their peers, to their colleagues, to people they teach. Because at some point in time, this conversation is going to be so mainstream, it's going to be so normal that there won't be any hesitation on if there's existence or not. The next question will be, are we being visited? There's a lot of alleged encounters. We've talked about many of them on Mysteries with a History, co-hosted with Jimmy Church. But once again, they are alleged. People don't believe it until they see it with their own eyes. 
as you say, most people don't care. That's right, Hank. The most people don't care. Once again, it's not a question. They just they have better things to think about. And those were in quotation marks because I have to disagree. I think this is the most amazing conversation that humanity is having right now because it takes you out of that cubicle-like thinking, thinking inside of the box of, okay, you only have this amount of colors. There's only this amount of numbers. What you learn in school is all there is. There is so much more to our planet, our solar system, and our entire universe than we could ever comprehend. But we have to be imaginative in order to think outside the box. If scientists weren't imaginative, for instance, or inventors, we wouldn't have Wi-Fi. We wouldn't have computers. We probably wouldn't even have um, baguettes with cheese on it and like chives, right? Because you've got to be imaginative even in the kitchen as well. So it's unfortunate that some people don't care. And as you say, super rat, they should care. Absolutely. Shifting gears a little bit to something a little bit more morbid because it seems consistently with strange paradigms we gotta sprinkle in the spooky because it's turning into fall it's getting kind of cold wearing the sweater even though it's a little bit warm in here that's fine it's okay in this article and i'm going to share my screen for this one and I'm going to let you guess what it's about for those watching this on YouTube before I go ahead and even read this article. If you're listening to this on a podcast, jump over to YouTube as I usually share my screen pretty often on Strange Paradigms. Okay, here is the photo. We're seeing suitcases. We're seeing some trash cans outside. What is going on here? I'll give you a moment to inspect this photo, take a guess before we get into it. And once again, if you are listening to this and you don't have a visual aid, we're looking at rainbow tie-dye suitcases. Again, we're looking at trash cans that looked locked up and it's, it's surrounded by fence and it has a little bit of a slight type of roof as well, but it's not really a roof. So take a guess. Oh, Patrice, you are correct. Did you read this article? It's a decomposition test. That is right. Jessica says weird graveyard in a sense, in a sense, kind of. But let's let's go ahead and get into this. So a grim study involving tens of animal remains placed inside colorful suitcases is taking place in the bushlands of Western Australia. It's always Australia, isn't it? Always up. So these bodies of almost 70 stillborn piglets were individually put into the cases as well as wheelie bins in the in reportedly the world's largest experiment of its kind. So these pigs were left outside and exposed to the elements um, have also been used for a control group, which as we know for any experiment, you need to have a control group that is, it's required. 
So the hope is that by studying the effects of this process, it will assist crime scene investigators when reconstructing murder events and ultimately help catch the people that did terrible things to other people. Researchers are measuring how any temperature changes and humidity both inside and outside of the cases impact the deceased animals. Microbiological and chemical changes to the bodies and bones were are, will also be looked at as well. Then you have Paula Mingi, a senior literature in um, lecturer in forensic science, said that each year dozens of human remains are found hidden in what is known as limited access environments. So she continues and states, this happens because the people, and I'm not going to say these words too much, try to avoid an easy discovery by the authorities or because they need something in which they can temporarily store and move the body from place to place. And this apparently has, this type of study has been done in other parts of the world, such as the United States and Canada, but this is the biggest test done in Australia. And while this does, as I said at the beginning, sound very spooky, in some respects morbid, um, this is very important research because it will help crime investigators in the future. And that's why these types of tests are conducted. How many of you enjoy listening to crime podcasts or those types of documentaries as well? It, it, it's a pretty prevalent topic to be interested in. Same with books as well. And what and I'm also interested in these, don't get me wrong, but I also like looking at the actual facts, looking at the actual tests that have been done, aside from just watching the documentaries or listening to the podcasts, because it gives you this foundation of understanding, oh, well, what they were doing, they must have researched it themselves before they did an act such as this one. So, that's one reason to why I wanted to cover it today, because it is strange. And what are we on? We are on strange paradigms. So we have to cover it. Margie says, no, not me. Makes me sad. Super Rat raises hand, interested in crime documentaries. <laughs> yes, me too. Oh my gosh, Pet Cemetery. That's a pretty spooky movie, especially during the time it was created. Terrifying. Cecil says, University of Tennessee has actual bodies buried at various depths, and they study their decomposition. I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing it. Now I need to look it up because... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's a bit spooky. Which I need to mention that these types of bodies... Um, are donated for science. They don't just casually grab people from the morgue and be like, all right, now we're going to do a test on them. No, there has to be consent beforehand while the person is still living to dedicate to um, give their body to science. Only then can people run these types of tests. Otherwise, it's, some might say, inhumane. But it makes me question at this University of Tennessee, if there's a lot of hauntings there, or a, there's another picture of the suitcase, but it makes me question, are there extensive hauntings at the University of Tennessee? Do people see ghosts because of all the mis- the the dead bodies that are there? I don't know, but it also seems to be a consistent theme at universities where there's a cemetery nearby. Why is that? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you just really love the university that you're like, yeah, I want to be buried here. I am not that type of person. No, I do not want to be anywhere near my university. (laughs) Mm, Ghosts aplenty, says Brad. So there there are a lot of hauntings at the University of Tennessee. Is that correct? Because I need to look that up now. Well, while people talk about that, let's jump over to our next article. And it's related to the deceased because we have Mr. Robert Bigelow, who is dropping another million dollars to allow people to give him paperwork on cases for life after death once again he did one not too long ago it was very impressive i was able to read some of those papers where bigelow's question was does the human consciousness continue after death and i will place the links as you know in the description box below for you to read directly from the bigelow consciousness website where you can also find the papers from the previous test but in this one he is looking on on communication with someone on the other side so first it was does consciousness continue after death now it is communication with the other side. And this time, the prize will be for practical application of experiments to prove life after death, experiments to get that communication. And he, once again, is dropping another million dollars, and he's dividing them up 
this time into several smaller grants to be awarded to research teams based on the value of their proposals laying out how they intend to accomplish this. According to the website, it says, the research is to be exclusive to the survival of human consciousness beyond permanent bodily death, as well as exclusively focused on contact or communication with the other side. Woods that he had Woods said, Bigelow is really obsessed after his wife died. And he he's had a lot of traumatic things occur to him in his life with the death of members in his family. So I don't necessarily blame him for doing this research because we all have these types of questions. But he has the funds to where he can collect so many brilliant minds to write very well-written scientific papers, which if you are interested, you can go ahead and submit. Applications will be due April 1st, 2023, and the final papers will be due May 1st of 2024. So you have an entire year to apply, do the research, and write your paper. It needs to be about 25 pages or at least 10,000 words. It's going to be pretty extensive, but it goes to show how serious Bigelow is with wanting to understand. Wood says, everything he learned at Skinwalker Ranch? Why this? Interesting question. I think that is something that we need to ask. And I bet things happened there that further compelled him to to learn more, to, to get those insights. Because Brandon Fugel had mentioned on the interview that I did with him about a month ago now, where he had invited people um, during the Bigelow era and Bigelow himself back onto Skinwalker Ranch. And they flat out denied it. They're like, nope, I want nothing to do with the ranch. I'm going to pass. I do not want to set foot there. That's saying something. It's not just your typical, oh, yeah, it's another plot of land with cows going on and maybe a little bit of vegetation going on here and there. There's a lot more happening at that ranch than what Bigelow may have wanted to publicly admit and his team. But when they get invited to return to the ranch, they say, nope, don't want anything to do with it. So did he have pretty bizarre experiences there? Maybe. Did that influence him to go ahead and create the Bigelow, Bigelow Consciousness Institute? Probably. I wouldn't doubt it. And because he has the funds, he's able to do these things. <laughs> and we're able to watch on the sidelines and to be able to read the papers created by brilliant, just amazing minds. If you haven't read the previous papers from the last one that Bigelow conducted, I recommend it. They are lengthy, but they're impressive. Very cool. We are speeding through these, and that's totally okay because I have a bunch of awesome and strange articles for you this week. The next one is about dinosaurs. Who doesn't like talking about dinosaurs? 
especially kids. And I know, I know adults also like dinosaurs. But when I think of dinosaurs, the first thing that comes to mind are like these cute little green kind of pudgy things um, that are like really happy grazing on the grass and the vegetation <laughs> that you see in cartoons and that you see um, that you probably color in at school in elementary school. That's the first thing that come that comes to mind. But they are sometimes, at least the carnivores, are a little bit more vicious <laughs> than that. But what about yourself? When you think of the word dinosaur, what do you imagine? Or what do you smell? Or what, what do you taste? Once again, as I had mentioned last week, everyone thinks a little bit different. They have these different triggers in some respects. So I want to know, when you hear the word dinosaur, what comes to mind first? Jessica, oh no, Pukwudgies again. I'm going to find a way to make sure that word infiltrates every single one of my shows in, in one form or another. Pukwudgies. It's just, the word just rolls off the tongue so beautifully. Pukwudgies. <laughs> so let's see. Margie says, I love dinosaurs. Me too. T-Rex ride a white swan. Alrighty. Hey, I, I, I like the imagination. Wood says chicken. Alright. Patrice says dino equals green. Yes, it does. <laughs> At least in my world. Green or like purple with blue spots. Also, yes. Kurt also says chickens. Sarah says woolly mammoth. Margie says pelican. All right, I'm I am liking this train of thought. Well, let's go ahead and talk about this next article. I'm going to share my screen here because it's it's pretty cool. Okay, let's share this. What are we looking at here? We see two smiling archaeologists standing next to this lump of rock. But when we zoom in, what do we see? We see a fossilized skeleton of a dinosaur. Why is this significant? I'm about to tell you. According to a report last week by the University of Reading in the United Kingdom, researchers discovered parts of what appear to be a full dinosaur mummy lodged in a hillside. In Canada, scientists believe they have discovered a fossilized dinosaur skeleton with fossilized skin, which is a rare find. One of the world's richest dinosaur fossil locations is actually in Alberta, Canada. And it contains the exposed fossil of a large herbivore dinosaur called a hadrosaur. See, these, these dinosaurs' names are new to me. It's very, very exciting because it, it, it brings in that child curiosity, that child interest once again. Because we are learned, we, we are taught to love dinosaurs. And then it kind of progresses into our adulthood. So these, these paleontologists right here must have been so excited so excited 
to have found this dinosaur that could very well have fossilized skin. Wow. An extensive part of the tail and the right hind foot have been preserved in the fossil, and the structure of the fossil suggests that the entire skeleton still exists inside the hill. So they don't know yet, but they can assume this. Once this, this is so rare <laughs> to find a dinosaur skeleton in its entirety. So this exceptional dinosaur mummy may reveal important details about the animal's appearance and overall anatomy. <laughs> Dan says Puckwedgiosaurus. If if some if someone needs help making the next squishmallow, whatever those squishy trending Hello things are, that needs to be the name for it. Puckwedgiosaurus. That is the coolest name, and I would buy at least 10. Fact. <laughs> David, that's interesting. I have a little piece of petrified dinosaur turd. Rock on. Do you use it like, what do you use it for? Like, is it just to put on the table? Do you use it as a paperweight? Do you leave it in the bathroom? <laughs> Real questions. I know, Super Rat. Dinosaurs always have long names. They do. But luckily, this dinosaur right here that is lodged in the hillside in Alberta, Canada, is just a hadrosaur. Pretty easy. Pretty short. Look who is calling me. It's Jimmy. Should we take the call? Hey, Jimmy. I'm doing Strange Paradigms right now live. Okay. Uh, tell everybody I said hi. You're on speaker. Uh, what's that? You're on speaker. I'm on speaker. Hello, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, listen. I'm on the road. Okay. Um, when you, when you uh, get a break in the action in your busy day, give me a call back, will you? I will. I'll write it down on my post-it note with my glasses and my special pen. Uh, you got to be smart. Always. Bye, everybody. Bye, Christina. Call me back. I will. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, you know, Jimmy never disappoints. He is always... a always full of surprises it's, it's never it's always something new with him jimmy the legend oh yes <laughs> all right let's let's continue with this article right here we're almost done with this one so this surprisingly while i am talking about this today and this article was just written a few days ago this fossil was actually discovered back in 2021 um by it was literally a field trip so kids went to this park and they found this <laughs> this fossilized dinosaur 
very cool. Imagine the bragging rights when you get back from your field trip. You, you, you go back on the school premises and you say, hey, guess what? I'm the coolest kid right now because I just found a dinosaur that no other paleontologist has ever seen. Those are the coolest bragging rights. For, forget the, the snacks that your mom packs you in your lunchbox. Forget the um, those like squishy jelly beans or whatever or like Cheez-Its or goldfish. No, you just found the best, possibly the best preserved dinosaur skeleton that's ever been found on the planet. Pretty cool. Well, what's even cooler is that one of the paleontologists that went ahead and did some more extensive research on on the skeleton is called Dr. Brian Pickles. That's a pretty fun last name. While I don't necessarily like Pickles like at all, I think that is such a cool and very fun last name. So you have to address him as Dr. Pickles. So what he had mentioned was that there are exciting discoveries to be made and we hope to complete the excavation over the next two field seasons or possibly even in the next few months. So we, the public, hopefully will be kept in the loop on what happens. But after they retrieve this dinosaur skeleton and put it in the lab which it will be taken to the uk it won't be for a few years before we get some results on what whatever they're looking for which i find rather unfortunate but when it comes to lab tests such as these they're pretty extensive they're pretty complex and they take a lot of time sad face I wanted to get the news tomorrow, but that won't happen. Not for a few years, at least. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you guys are so funny in the comments. It's He has an awesome last name. <laughs> Bew says, is Dr. Pickles sweet or sour? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully at least nice, right? <laughs> Um, let me, I'm looking for one in particular, uh, by Jessica and I can't find it, but I read it earlier and to, I just wanted to tell you that, um, check your discord DM messages. Okay. Cause I sent you something. Okay. So that is pretty much it for this article. So what's the gist of it? Kids. Well, People in school found this dinosaur. Paleontologists came along. They're going to take this out, hopefully, in the next few months. They're going to take it to the UK. They're going to run tests. We won't see those tests for the next few years. Okay, really sum that up. This next one is a very cool... You know what? I'm not even going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you. I'm going to show you the picture. You've got to find the picture. Here it is. Because... It's up our alley, everyone that's listening or that's watching that likes this type of strange content dealing very specifically with UFOs. What are we looking at here? What is this? Doesn't it look kind of like a UFO? 
Yet another one. It looks like a spacecraft. Do not tell me otherwise. <laughs> but what do you think it looks like to you? I showed you several photos. We are aware it is man-made because there's some people right on top and there is a boat right on the side. But if you were to see this photo, you don't know anything about this article that I'm about to read to you. What does it look like? What is this article about? And why is there this weird shaped object in the water? Not really that close to civilization. Kind of. You can see a little cute little buildings right here. But nothing extensive. Space Marshall says, Tic Tac UFO. Mr. Crawfish says, Egg-shaped anomaly. Possibly. Super Rat says it's pretty. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. Let me pull up my notes. All right, here. Second place in Norway. And to the shock of locals, a bizarre-looking UFO-shaped building has been spotted floating about on a Norwegian lake. The so-called salmon eye structure was unveiled just this month. And while it looks totally strange from the outside, with its shine almost resembling a salmon fish or whale, it has actually been described as a floating aquaculture information center and art installation. Okay. Interesting. So this was built to withstand waves over 13 feet tall, about four meters. And the space inside this pavilion has been created with the aim to inspire and inform the world on how to better feed the planet with sustainable seafood. The unveiling of the salmon eye took place on the 2nd of September. This, the, the interior is about with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 48 feet high. That's pretty crazy. But, but the building is being kept under wraps overall for the moment. We saw the outside of it. Okay, but it's still kind of a, a mystery going on here. However... It has been excitedly reported that a cinema and ex expedition space will feature inside and cover its four floors. Get me on the next airplane to Norway. I want to check this place out. I really, really hope 
there are windows at the bottom of the structure. So you're able to see all the marine life going through. Because you can't walk to this building. You have to take a boat to get there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty far from the shore. Not extensively far. I mean, if you really wanted to swim that, I guess you could. But it's Norway. The water's very cold. And you got to be a really strong swimmer. I am not at all a strong swimmer. I took swimming classes because I was forced to as a child. But I've never liked swimming or pools or the ocean. But if you were to throw me into the water, yes, I would survive. But I definitely would not swim here. I would pay the ferryman and say, hey, look, just get me on the boat and take me over there. Would you swim over there? Because we don't, I'm not too sure how far this is from shore. I'm not too sure. So to add to its futuristic shape, visitors also will be able to make a grand entrance. As I had mentioned, you're going to need to take a boat. Very specifically, they want you to take an electric boat to get to the Salmon Eye. Some of the people that created this structure had mentioned that the exterior design of the center mimics the shiny silvery skin of salmon and the shape takes after the fish's eye hence the name of the center salmon eye it glistens brightly that can be seen from miles away it can even be seen from an airplane landing at the nearby airport or through the latest uploaded satellite images by Google Earth. Mm -hmm. I know I know now a good amount of you are jumping over to Google Earth to look for this structure. You might not find it. Not yet. Or, unless you're really lucky, it might have been uploaded today. But this is indeed a pretty iconic floating landmark in Norway. And I would want to go and check this out. Are you aware of any other similar structures around the world? Are, are there any other structures like this that have been constructed in other parts of the world? this is a genuine question let me know in the live chat let me know in the comments because i would go there too and check it out there has to be windows at the bottom <laughs> has to be jj thank you it says hey fam you're amazing and thanks to our host she's crushing it thanks <laughs> question what's in antarctica who and why First off, thank you so much for the super chat, JJ. I will mention that Jimmy and I did a whole show on mysteries with the history of the mysteries of Antarctica. Take a look at that video um, because we go into detail on some of these things that you asked. And while a lot of them are more alleged accounts, it is a place of interest. It is a place that people in this field that work 
alongside researching UFOs, the paranormal, and the mysterious, we ask a lot of the time about Antarctica, what's going on. I will say what's very bizarre about that location, aside from the alleged accounts, is the blood waterfall. The bloodfall, pretty, ex- they're beautiful photos, very freaky if you don't know what you're looking at, but you're seeing these, uh, you know, a mountain of ice type of vibe, and you're seeing this water that's running down, but it's red due to the exposure of the iron. Stunning. I'd want to go there. No, I wouldn't. It's a bit too cold for me, but I, I don't mind like going there for a few days, you know? But I would not say there for a few months. Pass. So here are some other photos of the salmon eye. As you can see, you can see a few little people up here. Hello. Is he holding a guitar? Is this a band? Very cool. So we got some windows going on here. I'm not seeing any windows at the bottom. Maybe they're at the very, very bottom. Here you have the electric boat. That's the only way you're able to get into the salmon eye. And here's another photo of it. Very fun. Patrick, are you saying that there's another structure similar to this one in Chicago? Laura says, yep, it's a band. Yes, I feel like with any grand opening, you need to have a band. Band, some snacks. Yeah. And maybe like force people to dress really nice. Like a like a red carpet kind of thing. I feel that's that's only appropriate for any grand opening. Okay. For those that have listened to Strange Paradigms before in the past, the last several episodes, one thing that I bring up often, aside from the James Webb Space Telescope, is one specific article relating to the zombie fungus. I could I could talk about that all day. It's so freaky. Well, there's something very similar that I found in the news that was just released by Wired a few days ago, where it's not a zombie fungus that lives inside of a fly or a cicada, and then while it eats its insides, it explodes, right? And it take and it puts out all of its fungus pollen out, and, and it goes and, and infects other flies and cicadas. It's not like that, but it's still just as creepy. Talking about snails today. Snails, I thought they were pretty cool when I was a kid. I would like to kind of like grab them, put them on my hand, and they felt kind of slimy. But, you know, when you're five, six years old, it's a fun thing to do. When you get a little bit older, you're like, yeah, this is kind of grody, especially when you find out what they eat, like roly polies. You stop playing with them. But in this case, because. Uh, snails eat poop. That's how certain parasites are able to access snails. What are we looking at here? Does this look weird to you? Very specifically, its eyes, also known as tentacles when it comes to a snail. They should only be one color. But in this case, they're multiple colors. 
Well, the green-banded brood sac is a parasite flatworm that invades a snail's eye stalks and pulsates to imitate a caterpillar. Let's back that up for a second. Go back to the time, the last time you saw a snail. Just go back there, right? It's going very slowly. Its eyes, its eye stalks are out. They're one color. They're pretty skinny. And if you come close to it, it's going to go back inside of its body, right? Again, they're pretty skinny. In this case, this parasitic um, flatworm makes the eye stalks super fat and it starts creating these very fun colors to where it's attempting to imitate a caterpillar not a snail because birds don't really eat snails because they have shells but they do love some juicy caterpillars so this parasite the only way it can finish its life cycle is that it has to infiltrate a snail be eaten by a bird, the bird poops it out, the snail eats the poop, and it's this cycle all over again. Yeah, pretty freaky, but it gets even weirder. Not only do the snail's eyes pulsate in these weird colors. I have another photo right here. It's pretty grody. Not just that. The reason to why it's nicknamed a zombie parasite is because it takes over the host's brain. Yes, here is what happens. Snails are, for the most part, nocturnal. They do not go in high, uh, high places. They like to stay on the floor near the soil. And if anything, they'll kind of like nibble on some leaves, then they'll come back down, right? Because they don't want to be eaten. Well, when this parasite comes and lives inside of this snail the parasite says all right you're no longer nocturnal you're gonna go onto the very tippy top of that plant i want to make your eyes pulsate and then a big bird is gonna come and eat your eyeballs but it gets even worse not only does it do all of those terrible things it also castrates the snail Let that sit for a moment. <laughs> no one's. <laughs> I had to put my. I had to put down my snack. Me too. When I was reading this, I also had to put down my snack when I was eating. <laughs> it's a pretty grotesque story. Uh, well, not even not just a story, but a life cycle for this parasite that can only do this with one very specific type of snail. It can't do this with all snails. This parasite can only do this with one snail. Okay, interesting. The reason to why it castrates the snail, which we do need to keep in mind that snails are hermaphrodites. Right, they're both male and female, they're able to create sperm and egg. 
the reason to why they do that is because when you're creating these types of things to reproduce, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of nutrients. And the parasite's like, nope, all that nutrients is going to be for me. You can't. I'm not going to allow you to create these things anymore. And then it places, it, it places the larva in the eye stalks and then it gets eaten. And that is the whole story of this zombie parasite. Bizarre. I could talk about this all day. It's so gross. It's so weird, but it's so interesting. Jumping over to our next article. This one is also pretty freaky, has to deal with animals as well. But this one is a shark. How many of you like sharks? Have it be watching Shark Week, shark documentaries, Jaws, shark fins, people eat those. How many of you like sharks? Okay. Now, what if you saw this shark? For those that are listening to this on a podcast, we're seeing these bulging, huge eyes. We're seeing these freaky, like tiny little teeth and very, very rough skin. I wouldn't want to see this if I was chilling in the ocean. Even if I was walking through an aquarium. No, I wouldn't want to see this one. Well, this was posted on Twitter. And it got a lot of interaction. Have it be likes, have it be comments, have it be dislikes, which isn't... Because it's pretty weird. Anyways, um, Newsweek wrote an article on this. And it there have been several people, multiple people have looked at this photo. Some of them that are very knowledgeable with marine life and also with sharks. And they can't come to a consensus on what type of shark this is. That's the weird thing about it. Some think that it might be a rough-skinned dogfish, which is described to be up to four feet long. And it has a just a very freaky short mouth with thick lips, which are unlikely to be seen anywhere above depths of about 5,000 feet. But then you have Christopher Lowe, professor and director of the California State University Long Beach Shark Lab, who disagrees that it could be a rough-skinned dogfish. Instead, he says, quote, Looks to me like a deep-water kite fin shark, which are known in the waters off Australia. Okay. Well, this is where this type of shark um, was found. It was found just right off the coast of Sydney. And I don't know if this was last week or the week before I had made the comment that, and this is not my necessarily my comment. I read this online so many times where Australia is the devil's playground. You always find the scariest things there consistently. <laughs> always very scary. Well, in this case, you find this very freaky shark as well. But then I thought, I went to Google and I said, what are some other very scary looking sharks? Because 
usually when you think of shark, you think of the great white, great white shark, which is like, yeah, can be kind of scary if you're actually swimming with it. But photos, not so much. I don't find them that terrifying. So I said, all right, bring on some scary photos. This one right here is called the goblin fish, goblin shark. And it has this very long nose. It has this protruding mouth. It has these very sharp looking teeth. I would not, not at all would want to encounter a shark like this ever. No, thank you. But there's even a scarier one than this one. Take a look at this bad boy. This one is called the Viper Dogfish. It looks like something out of Alien. Here's another photo of it. This one looks a little bit more dehydrated, but just as scary. And those don't look like teeth. They look like wires, like barbed wire. No. No. The ocean is monster soup. It really is. Once you get to a certain depth, even if you're near the, near the surface. No, thank you. <laughs> Did you like those photos that I shared with you? And if you're listening to this on a podcast, jump over to YouTube, look at the pictures that I shared. But I also told you the name of these so you're able to Google it yourself and scare yourself because <laughs> they're pretty freaky. Mr. Catfish says alien-like. Very much so. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, another pretty weird thing was, and this is, you might consider it to be ironic, was a man was struck by lightning in his house when he was playing a video game of a cat walking through a thunderstorm. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're playing you're playing a video game. You're a cat in the game and it's walking through the rain, walking through a thunderstorm and then bam, you get struck by lightning. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, this person that we're looking at right now is Aiden Rowan, he is 33 years old. He was playing, he was on the PlayStation when he heard a loud crack followed by an intense sensation throughout his body. After beginning to feel this type of heat in his right arm, he's, his partner said that he could smell something burning. So they immediately took him to the emergency room. And the game that he was playing is called Stray. And it is a game centered around attempting to save a cat from a vicious thunderstorm, among other desolate scenarios. But in this case, that is what he was playing. And then, bam, he gets hit by lightning. <laughs> so he goes to the hospital. <laughs> and many people doctors from different departments take a look at him to understand how did he even strike you from inside of your house <laughs> ian says now if that's not strange i don't know what is ian i am on the same wavelength as you my friend i it is so bizarre <laughs> jessica says coincidence 
as the meme goes, I think not. And then you have the guy from um, The Incredibles, the, the teacher with the mustache. It's like one of my favorite memes. So when he had multiple people, multiple doctors look at him from different departments, first off, they said, you're, you're lucky to be alive, number one. But the reason was that doctors believed that the lightning had bounced off the water on the window and into the room. That is probably one in a billion chance, if not even a smaller statistic than that. That is practically, practically impossible. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Dan says, well, there's a good argument for simulation theory. Absolutely. There's no question there. <laughs> well, in another picture that he posted on Instagram, he just got some scratch marks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's it. Uh, classified as starbursts. There have been other people that have been struck by lightning that have so much worse side effects. There was one story that was a few years ago, and this is from memory, where a man was, I think he was under a tree. He got struck by lightning and he had this like tree scar on his back and it looked like the tree of life. It was pretty spectacular. That was a few years ago. And, um, but if in this case, for this man right here, he just got some scratch marks and nothing too serious. He got, he got really lucky. Got really lucky. But it is rather ironic that he was playing a video game about thunderstorms and then he gets struck by lightning. That's one in a billion chance, if not one in a trillion chance, to where it kind of comes from the window and bam, it hits him. But one thing that might not be considered as wild are crop circles. Crop circles have been pretty prevalent in the UK, but it's rare, very rare to see them in Australia. What's even weirder about this story and the reason to why I am bringing it up, I'm going to share my screen here. The reason to why I'm bringing up this particular story about a crop circle in Russia is that it is right next to Lake Baikal. We've talked about multiple times at Lake Baikal in Russia. And the reason to why it's so bizarre is because there was an alleged story of aliens in the lake where you had... Russian military officials and scuba divers, right? They were scuba divers specifically, go into the lake, attempt to capture these alien type beings in silver suits. And not only did they not capture them, several of them died. 
this is why I'm bringing up this story. There was a crop circle found right next to it. In the UK, the majority, if not almost all of them, have been created by humans. It's very, very rare, if anything, if they were had some more unnatural occurrence. But what is from the research that I've done when it comes to crop circles is that even if sometimes people create them themselves, they'll have very high EMF readings, which doesn't make too much sense. And the same thing happened here in Russia, where the people that went ahead and investigated this crop circle believed that it was created by a person but it had incredibly high EMF readings, seven times higher than average. So quickly, a there was a TV segment done on the area in Russia, once again, right next to Lake Baikal in there. And they were like, I think it was done by people, but it's worth looking into because it's a very interestingly done structure in a wheat field. Very beautiful. I wouldn't have the patience to create such a big crop circle, especially if you're doing it alone. Now, if you have a group of people doing it with you, right, it's a different story. You could do it a lot faster. And in some parts of England and even some parts of the United States, it's classified as an art form now where people create these ginormous crop circles that um, look very complex, but they're done by people. And it still, it still interests the public, the people in that area, the locals. But it takes away the mystery. Because back in the 90s, where crop circles were surfacing everywhere, people believed that it was extraterrestrials. Possibly trying to communicate with people. And then later they found out that wasn't the case. For the most part. Could there be some genuine crop circles? Possibly. But... Maybe not. We don't know. But it is worth talking about. Because either way, this is a beautiful piece of art. and It's very interesting. And the weirdest thing about this, two weird things about this, it had incredibly high EMF readings. And it was created right next to Lake Baikal. Pretty weird. We got a few minutes left. We have enough time to do a few more articles, which I always over-prepare. And last week, we spoke about the Polish vampire found, well, buried hundreds of years ago, found recently, where a sickle was just right above the woman's neck. So where if she were to wake up from the dead, it would slice it off. Well, this story went viral. So many social media outlets grabbed the story and shared it with their audience. So Science Alert, and something that I would like to mention to you, uh, said that there were other ways that people attempted to save themselves from vampires. Another instance, aside from placing a sickle right above their neck, which I guess in some respects could be a little bit expensive at that time when you have to deal with the metals that they used, they would also place rocks in their mouth as well. Jonasine, thank you for the RV made of ramen fund. 
it's going to be a really heavy RV with made out of ramen. But there'll definitely be ramen inside of the RV. Probably eat it every day. My my current favorite, and I want to share this with you, Donna Sign. My current favorite ramen right now is the curry ramen made by Cup of Noodle. Cup of Noodle. That's, that one right now, I'm kind of obsessing over it. It's so good. If, if you've tried it, let me know in the live chat for those that are listening. If you've never tried it, you'll probably find it somewhere at the grocery store. It's kind of popular-ish. It's curry. Curry-flavored cup of noodle. Nissen. So good. Jessica, thank you. It says, thanks for the promotion today and for the RV fund. Yay! Thank you. It goes straight to the RV fund. I'm so excited. I keep it recently. I've been keeping more of an eye out on RVs to find the golden child, the golden one. <laughs> so thank you. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> no one says, I swear you should call it the ramen RV, the R&R. That'd be awesome. Maybe I will. <laughs> In this photo, we see a skeleton with a rock shoved right into its mouth. Let's get into the story of that. <laughs> Why are they doing that? What came to their mind during the, not, not really classified as ancient times, but several hundred years ago? Why would they do that? Well, archaeologists recently uncovered an example of a vampire burial in Poland with a sickle around its body's neck to keep it from rising from the grave. But there are other ways humans prevented the undead vampires from tormenting the living. The woman, nicknamed Carmela, by the scientists who uncovered her, was found with a brick in her mouth inside a massive grave, a bizarre ritual unlike other burials at the time. Not much is known about her identity in life, but archaeologists know she died during a deadly outbreak of bubonic plague. You have one archaeologist and anthropologist as well at the Liverpool um, John Moore University, where he told Insider that I had to find an explanation for someone actually manipulating the body of a person with a deadly disease. It's not the classical idea that the vampire is going out and sucking the blood of people. It was more someone that is killing people from the grave before being able to to then rise as a full vampire. That was their mentality of the time. He states that what I found was that there was this tradition that said that there were bodies people believed were responsible for spreading the plague around. These bodies were not completely dead and were captured by some demonic influence. And they were chewing their shroud inside their graves and spreading the plague in a sort of black magical way so placing a brick in her mouth would per these beliefs keep the vampire from chewing their way out and so protecting the living from disease i had no idea so this vampire right here 
would have been considered but she wouldn't have been considered a vampire during her lifetime. However, the anthropologist had mentioned that maybe at some point when possibly grave diggers went into her grave, they found that her shroud was no longer on her head because maybe it had decomposed. And that sense of fear for the grave diggers, what do they do? They grab a brick and they just they just shove it in her jaw because they don't want any type of plague coming from her. So that is the belief of certain anthropologists and archaeologists at the moment. But when it comes to history and understanding history, we're uncovering new things every day. New understandings with have it be... Um, new new things that come out new um diaries new tablets things like this it helps us fill in the gaps of how we imagined people in the past to live pretty crazy but this 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 is a pretty prevalent practice anthropologists have also found it in children during these time periods as well Kurt says, or her husband wanted to make sure she would finally shut up. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> so during the outbreaks of malaria during the 5th century, there was a child that was believed to be 10 years old who had a stone placed in the child's mouth. It happened again with another child another century later. So this type of practice has been going on through the centuries. And maybe one that they believed worked for them, even though plague and malaria still spread for decent periods of time and consistently. So did it really work? I'm going to have to go with no. Thank you, Dolores. Awesome glasses. Thank you. My contacts were just giving me issues today. I put them in, and then like a few minutes before the show, my contacts were like, no, you won't be able to read your notes or the comments today. Hey, Michael. Hi, sorry I'm late. Hey, better late than never. Thank you for stopping by. <laughs> this next one, because it's all about the weird and the strange and the mysterious, of course, but this one is just flat out weird. A lot of us buy eggs on a regular basis. What do eggs look like? They're egg-shaped, right? We, we, we've even classified certain UFO-shaped craft as egg-shaped. So, we have an idea what it looks like, but it is rare. And I am saying rare to find a perfectly round egg. Look at this. Perfectly round. Let's read about this. A Canadian woman could not believe her eyes when she went to check on her backyard chickens and discovered that one of the birds had laid an incredibly rare, perfectly round egg. 
According to a local media report, Holly Brown found the surprising egg sitting on the ground near the coop of her property. Initially suspecting that the oddity was simply a ball that her, that her dog had dropped. Here's another photo of that. The dog's ball and the egg. <laughs> she picked it up and she realized, oh my gosh, this is an egg. <laughs> so as soon as she picked this, this thing up, she quickly took pictures and posted it on Facebook. Because she's like, my chicken just laid a proverbial golden egg by virtue of the object's incredible rarity. So then when media got a hold of it, they asked her a few questions. And she said, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. I'm feeling lucky today. She didn't say that exactly. I'm paraphrasing. But... <laughs> She was encouraged to buy a lottery ticket after finding this egg. But there was another woman in the UK who, met, who made headlines back in 2015 where she also found a perfectly round egg. But she managed to sell it for $700 on eBay. When reporters asked Holly Brown what she would do with the egg, she said, I think I'm going to keep it and make it a conversational piece in my house. That's awesome. Because an egg like this is possibly one in a billion chance. That's a that's an, a crazy number going on right there. One in a billion chance to where you'll find a perfectly round egg. Well, there was one in 2015 and now there is one in 2022 and Holly Brown says she's going to keep it keep it in her house so that when guests come over she'll say hey see that egg over there yeah so it's a one in a billion chance egg pretty cool <laughs> i dig it <laughs> definitely we have a few minutes left so please uh, make sure to jump over to the Discord server and continue this conversation in the after show chat. But also there are so many rooms on the Discord server that you will find one that suits you. And there's a little less than a thousand people a part of the server where you're going to interact with so many like-minded people and it's a very friendly and secure community. I would like to mention that on Tuesday, Shifting the Paradigm will be Tom Dongo. And we'll be talking about everything related to Bradshaw Ranch and the vortexes in Sedona as well. Sedona is a pretty interesting hotspot for UFO sightings and paranormal and things that are just strange. So you do not want to miss that show on Tuesday on Shifting the Paradigm with Tom Dongo. Also, every single Thursday, we, Jimmy Church and I, do Mysteries with the History, where we cover very interesting topics in depth. And next week, take a guess what it, what it will be about. Next week will be the Mysteries of Canada. 
because after reading the article that I had mentioned to you today about Canada being, in some respects, a hotspot for UFO sightings, very specifically Ontario, we have to do mysteries of Canada. Weird things happen there. So if you are a Canadian or if you've ever visited Canada and you want to hear about all the mysterious things going on there, make sure to tune in on Thursday at 2.30 p.m. PST to watch the show live. Yes, two out of the three shows on this channel are live. Shifting the Paradigm is pre-recorded, but this show and Mysteries with a History is live. We're able to interact with you, the listeners and the viewers, so I'm pretty excited for this upcoming show. Out of all of the articles that we covered today, which one was your favorite? I love asking this question. I love seeing the responses in the live chat for those that watch this live, but also in the comment section as well. Which story that we covered today was your favorite? For myself, it's a hard one. I I really liked the salmon eye in Norway because it looks like a UFO. That one's pretty cool. But also looking at Canada and, and mentioning the, the potential UFO hotspots that are there. Pretty cool. Laura also agrees with me. Sam and I. Yes. Very cool. Well, that is all the time that we have today. Make sure to like this video before you head out. Share it with those who have the same interest. Be safe. And remember, keep your eyes on the skies. Hey, wonderful listener, this is Christina. If you love these podcasts, please make sure to rate each episode, leave a review, and subscribe on the app or platform you listen in on and share with others. It really is a great way to support my work and helps so much. Also, if you want to watch the video of the show, the link to my YouTube channel is below.